Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're going to talk some, talk some hoops, and I can't wait because the NBA season has been a bit hectic so far, and there's plenty to come. Just looking through some of these messages, my 17-year-old absolutely loves golf. Josh Ranson is his name. He wants this pair of shoes. My brother-in-law, Dennis, would love it. Cheers, Roddy. Cheers, Roddy. Uh, there's so many texts coming through. Ed got your message here as well. So these shoes are in hot demand. Text now, double eight double three. Who would be want to be playing golf at New Zealand Golf Open today? Let us know. And we'll get back to some of these messages on Ian Foster as well in a second. But as we said, we're three quarters of the way through the NBA season. Boy, has it been dramatic so far. They're in blockbuster trades, stunning individual performances. I feel like if you don't have a 70-point game this year, you might be an outsider. I heard on a podcast recently there are 40 players averaging 20 a game. A decade ago, I think there was only about 10. So, the league is in a scoring frenzy. Teams are congested trying to make the playoffs in the West, in the East. Who is real? Who is fake? Well, let's ask James Herbert. Uh, He's from CBS Sports, and he's joined us this morning. We're very grateful. Morning, James. How are you going? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me again. No, thank you for making yourself available, man. There's uh, a million different ways we can go here. But I think one of the, the big stories today that everyone will be following is KD to make his son's debut against the hapless Hornets. Is this uh, confirmed? Are we expecting KD? What version of KD are we expecting? Yeah, he's expected to play. I don't know that you can expect him to play, like, huge minutes in his first game back. But, I mean, I covered, you know, in Brooklyn, like, I remember his first preseason game after he missed a full year, his first regular season game after that. I've seen him come back from stretches similar to this one even like last year and he missed about six weeks at around the same time of the season every time he's come back he just looked exactly like himself like he generally comes back from these injuries whether they're medium-term injuries even long-term injuries where other guys take a long time to get back in the swing of things he just kind of comes in and like he's unguardable he, he's the kind of player whose game sort of fits in really neatly um, with any team that he's ever been on, which is unusual for a superstar. Often teams have to kind of remake their offense, do everything differently. Um, so I don't anticipate there'll be a ton of growing pains with him and the Suns. The offense will be a little bit different um, than, than what we saw in Brooklyn because it's different personnel. But I fully expect KD to be playing um, at an all-star level pretty much right away and maybe back to playing at like an MVP level, which is what we saw before this injury uh, and really not not too long at all. Well, that's a that's a big moment in it, uh, James. But, but there must be a standout moment for you this this year. What has it been? 
Hmm. Um, man, that, that's that's a good question. Like, my mind immediately goes to Damian Lillard's game the other night, but that might be recency bias. Um, honestly, another game um, that wasn't it wasn't an individual performance, but also just recently after the All Star break. Uh, on the weekend, there was a game between the Clippers and the Kings. It was the second highest scoring game in NBA history. It went to two overtimes. It was like mm. 176, 175, maybe it was 175, 174. Um, and that is just some of the best regular season basketball that I have ever seen. I, I think some people watched that game or watched highlights and they just thought, oh, this was like an all-star game. This is like a scrimmage. Nobody's playing defense. But I don't really think that's it. Like watching that game... There, there were some defensive breakdowns, to be sure, but a lot of that was caused by the fact that the offense was just unbelievable. Just guys out there making absolutely incredible plays. Kawhi Leonard um, had a virtually flawless performance in that game and got almost no easy shots. He's making contested fadeaways. He's making, like, sidestep threes with a hand in his face. Um, there were numerous Kings players like De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk um, made some absolutely absurd shots to kind of seal that game for them in the second overtime. They were doing it. Their legs should have been tired, but they weren't. They were still playing at this, like, breakneck pace. Both teams were. Um, if you make one little mistake on defense, the other team is just pouncing on it. Um, and I think that was, I mean, to sort of go back to where this conversation started, like, that game is kind of a metaphor for, like, where the game is today. Like, th this is an offense-heavy league. Um, the spacing has never been better. The individual skill level has never been better. You, you look at that Sacramento Kings team that has, like, shocked everybody this season, um, that's because they have one of the best offenses of all time. And it's not because they're, they're stocked with superstars. They have two all-star players, but then they have this system that is super fast, that is based on all this passing. They have shooting all over the court. They play like a team. Like they, they have been one of the more fun stories in the league for me this season. I have loved watching them. I loved watching that game. And I thought the Clippers were honestly playing at a really high level in that game as well. So sort of the result of it uh, was, was kind of irrelevant to me. But yeah, I mean, that, that was a really memorable one for me. And I think it also sort of like says something about where the NBA is right now. Yeah, the scoring binge is incredible. But what happens when the playoffs hit and the game slows down? Are teams like the Kings going to be able to play at that pace or are teams like Miami who are just bludgeoners with all that playoff, <laughs> you know, uh, experience and, and that they're kind of designed for it. Are teams like that going to find it easier? And, you know, in a way, is is this to kind of exemplifying the gap between what a regular season is and what the postseason is in the NBA, which must be concerning for Adam Silver? In a way, there, there's that gap. What, what I really think it is more than, like, it, it'll slow down a ton. Like, it'll slow down a little. Like, historically, like, the stats kind of bear that out when you compare regular season pace to playoff pace. Um, just like when you compare, like, you know, crunch time pace to first quarter pace. Um, but we've seen in, honestly, like, recent seasons, uh, teams like the Lakers a few years ago, the Bucks a, a few years ago, these teams that they didn't have amazing half-court offense the way they they scored was they would hammer teams in transition. They would run like crazy. They would play with pace. They would get stops on the defensive end too, though. And that's yeah. where the concern comes in for Sacramento. I think you can play fast. They will play fast. There's a lot of teams around the NBA. Like I think the way the league works now, you can't afford not to, um, unless you are blessed with like 
absolutely incredible isolation play and a lot of shooters around them and you can just slow things down and do it that way but even then a lot of those teams like you see their coaches sometimes yelling at them after defensive rebounds like get up the court get into your offense quickly like early offense in the nba like that is the most efficient um kind of way to go i i think the issue with the sacramento is they've just been a, a terrible defensive team for the vast majority of this season they've made up for that by being absolutely incredible offensively what you want is a balance you want to be able to do both both things that's why even though like i mean to take the example of that matchup that we we're just talking about um the the kings have been a better team on balance than the clippers over the course of the season but i, I think you talk to most people around the league like they see the clippers as a legitimate championship contender um presuming that they are healthy because at their best they can be an absolutely elite defensive team and an incredible offensive team, whereas the Kings, like, that upside really isn't there on the defensive end. I, I think historically, um, the, like, the vast majority of championship teams have been in the top 10 on both offense and defense. I think that doesn't guarantee you anything if you're in the top 10. Like, ideally, you're, um, you know, in the top five in both, or, or at least in one of those categories. Um, but I think, like, in that respect, nothing has really changed. Like, every team is striving to be balanced and to be as close to elite as possible on both ends. And that's why Sacramento, like super fun team, love watching them. If they even win one series, um, I think that would be not only like incredible for a franchise that has the longest um, playoff drought in North American pro sports. I think it would be surprising. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't think anybody is, is kind of anticipating, even if they get to the second seed, I think a lot of people might end up picking the team that comes out of the play-in because, oh, by the way, look at who's in the play-in right now. Like they could be facing the Warriors or something. What's your, what's your take, James, on the back? on the Bucks at the moment in their 15, um, 15 win winning streak. Are they a threat? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I was just, I was at Barclays last night, saw them kind of just like outlast the Nets in that game. Brooklyn started out making all their threes. They had the lead, um, look kind of comfortable um, for much of the first half, but the Bucks just wear you down. Like in the second half, Giannis, as he has done, um, kind of throughout the season, he has increased his aggressiveness as the game has gone on, as he's sort of felt the game out. And once he sort of started driving to the basket at, at with like an increased degree of sort of physicality, like there was nothing really the Nets could do with him. They, they give up threes still um, fewer than they did in seasons past. I do think, you know, that that is um, potentially something that in the playoff series, I mean, that that's how they've gone down. Uh, in the past, that's how they went down against the Celtics last year with them surrendering threes to Grant Williams and the guy just knocking down a whole bunch of them in a game seven. I think that's one area of concern for them. I think offensively, uh, just over the course of the season, they have not been as consistent as they would like to be on the offensive end. Uh, they, they do not have what I would call a beautiful offense. Um, they can get stagnant at times. Um, but I mean, I, I anticipate that Chris Middleton's minutes will be dialed up as we get closer to the playoffs. I anticipate that their offense will improve at least a little bit in between now and then. And they are just on such a roll. They are so confident. They have won a championship recently. They believed they could win a championship last year. They almost beat the Celtics without their second best player. And honestly, like their best half court creator last year with Chris Middleton missing that entire series. And I, I think they kind of don't, they're not, they're certainly not afraid of anybody. Um, and they have just been so dominant defensively and they're dominant in transition um, at times. And if they can, they, like they basically know their formula, like 
be good enough in the half court on offense, but really just like pound you physically, get stops, push the pace, pass the ball, like make open threes. Like Jay Crowder, the guy they just added, really, really fits into that. Um, and I think they're a little bit more complete of a team with him on the roster. And yeah, they're, they're hitting their stride at the absolutely perfect time. James, there's, there's about a hundred different things that I want to finish with, but we, we've got to let you get back to your good work over there stateside, mate. I, I will ask about the Lakers, though, because it seems like they had just put together and finally worked their way back to a roster that could actually contend, and, and maybe with a bit of health luck, they could go on a run. But LeBron is old. That's not an exaggeration. And the health luck has turned already they are now going to miss him for probably two. I imagine it'll be more like a month. Uh, yesterday I watched the Memphis Grizzlies just punk them pretty much, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Yep. just absolutely obliterate Anthony Davis on a putback, and it just it just gave me the sinking feeling for the Lakers that the minute they might have turned the corner, it might be all over for them again. Is that an overreaction, or, or is it just too big a hill to climb for them? I think we have to see exactly how long LeBron is out. They they do have a roster that, like, it makes more sense than it did before the trade deadline, right? Like, whether or not that's a championship team, like, I think reasonable people can disagree. Like, I don't really see them as a contender, even with LeBron at full strength. But, I mean, they, they at least had a more balanced roster in terms of having uh, the ability to put lineups out there that can mostly space the floor and still get some stops at the other end. I, I think Jared Vanderbilt has fit in brilliantly over there and it's kind of amazing they got him um and uh, i think they do have a roster now that's a little bit more equipped to deal with lebron's absence um than it would have been if they had just done nothing at, at the deadline and still had westbrook on the roster and didn't didn't make these additions i think they have a little bit more firepower and again a little more balance um but like you need ad to just be a superhero again like uh, earlier in the year before ad had an injury of his own, like there was a stretch of about, you know, 10, 12 games where he was playing like some of the best basketball of his career. Like he, he sort of seemed like an MVP candidate for a minute there. His season has not just sort of followed that script. It's been injury filled and just like the past few have been for him and the Lakers. Um, and I think for them to weather this storm, like they, they need that guy. They need him virtually every night. They need to get these wins like there's not much time here to make up the ground that they need to um and then it's just a matter i think from the lakers perspective it's a matter of getting into that play-in and then being as close to fully healthy as possible once they get there and at that point like it is just just fight and scrap and try to get every win that you can this season has been kind of a disaster um if you look at uh sort of what the internal expectations were um, coming in, I, I think the trade was potentially quite helpful. Uh, but if LeBron's not on the floor, I mean, there's just I think there's already kind of a ceiling on how good this team could be, but it's substantially lower uh, if he's not on the floor and and like playing at an all NBA level, too. Brilliant, James. Wonderful. There's great analysis, mate. CBS Sports reporter James Herbert, thanks so much for joining us this morning. We'll let you crack on with your day and uh, we can't wait to see how the season unfolds from here. No problem. Thank you so much.